Good morning. I'm Dinuka. Uh, today we are reading from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 to 25 and Exodus chapter 20 verses uh, 16. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life. You learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Um, I'm Julia and I'm going to be reading Exodus 20 verse 16. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. Good morning. My name's Stephen, uh, one of the pastors here today. And kids, it's great to have you in, in church in the middle week of school holidays. Um, I remember when, uh, many years ago, I, I heard someone speaking about how to build a strong marriage. And I don't really remember anything they said except for one thing that really stuck with me all these years later. They said trust is built really slowly. Trust is built like a drop of water going into a bucket. And that's kind of the way trust works. But, they said, it can take just one moment to completely empty out that bucket. One moment, one stupid decision, one stupid action, one betrayal, one lie, and that trust can completely be gone. And then you have to start all over again and build up trust again. And, and sometimes the betrayal can be so great that it actually can actually not be possible at all to build up that trust again. It's a terrifying thought, don't you reckon? I, I think that's why it, it stuck with me all these years later. Uh, and it's, it's true, actually, not just for marriage. It's true for all sorts of relationships. It's true in friendship. It's true in family. It's true in work relationships. Trust is built slowly but quickly lost. Now, trust is, is needed in personal relationships, but a, a strong society also needs a foundation of trust. And without a, a commitment to truth, there just can't be trust. Don't you reckon we're seeing this in our, our world at the moment? Without a commitment to truth, there just can't be trust. You know, the problem with our, our fake news kind of world is it's not just that fake news is an irritation. And it's not just that, that fake news can be dangerous to an individual. The biggest problem with fake news is, is that it's dangerous to society. 
The danger is that whole societies can lose confidence in truth itself. We stop feeling confident that truth can be found, held, built upon. And so, of course, trust is eroded. Our culture has been eroding truth for decades. We used to think, you know, you might remember these kind of statements, but we used to think what's true for you is is true for you and, and what's true for me is true for me. And isn't that nice? That's kind of the way we used to think. But we've moved on from that kind of thinking. We've gone from thinking that's nice to realizing it's not nice at all. Because we found that our our different versions of truth, they've actually led us all too often to devalue each other, to try to dominate each other, even to try to overthrow each other. We're now at a a point where we're more likely to think, you know, what's true for you is, is true only if it's true for me. But if it's not true for me, it's rubbish and more and more we start to think and maybe you're rubbish too the huge huge problem with this is not simply a failure of of tolerance of each other the huge problem is we're, we're losing the value of truth itself we stop seeing truth as something that stands outside of ourselves as something that stands above us all over us all and instead what we're really valuing is self. What matters is, is my perspective, my self-determination. You know, even research becomes my research. And the truth has become my truth. And this is not just a problem with the, the right of politics or the left. This is a growing problem with all of us. The individual comes first and truth comes second. And even as Christians, even as Christians, we're following our culture in this far too often. But this way of thinking, this way of thinking about truth is anything but Christian. And today, as as Craig said, we're returning to a series that we've been doing on and off since 2019. I don't know why it's taken so long to cover Ten Commandments. I think COVID got in the way somewhere there. But we've been doing this series and we've been thinking about what the Ten Commandments tell us about the character of God and what they tell us about our own character. And we're up to number nine, so we're nearly there. Next week we'll do number ten. And number nine says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's a command that's all about lies and all about the truth. And so today we're going to think about why God gives this command. And we're going to see it's because false testimony undermined everything that God wanted for his people then we're going to think about what this tells us about the character of God and we're we're going to see God hates lies because he loves truth and then finally we're going to think about what this means for us today as followers of Jesus and we're going to see that Jesus wants us to be a people who also hate lies and love truth so first of all why does God give this command in his you know summary of all his commandments the 10 kind of summarize all 613 commands why does he give this one in that 10 the reason is false testimony undermined what god wanted for his people 
Israel was supposed to be a nation that, that represented God to the whole world. And the law that they had was, was part of the way they were to do that. But if you think about it, the whole law becomes unworkable if the people of Israel were to throw out this command. I mean, how do you maintain the rest of the laws, any of the laws, if no one cares about the truth? This becomes unworkable. Our false testimony is about not lying in legal context. And for them in, in the nation that they're forming, the stakes are high. I mean, sometimes the death penalty was a possibility. And if they didn't value the truth, then it, it didn't really matter how great the rest of the law was, how just the rest of the law was. They're either All those laws are either not going to be enforced if they don't value the truth, or they're going to be enforced wrongly. And throughout the Bible, you see all over the place that God hates the idea of that. He hates the idea that, that the guilty would walk free because of lies. Or the flip, flip side, the innocent would be punished because of lies. Now we might sort of think, why would anyone do that? Why would, would they lie like that and, and endanger people like that? But of course, we're still doing it today, aren't we? I mean, people still lie in court all the time. The guilty still get off and the innocent still sometimes are punished. And you, you really get a sense here that, that the law is good. But the weakness in the law is us. It, it's human nature. And it's not like God was naive about this. He, he had built into his law safety measures. So for example, in Deuteronomy 7.6, uh, you always needed more than one witness. You know, you, you couldn't just rely on one witness. And in the next verse, verse 7, the witnesses had to be the ones to initiate the punishment. That they, they had to be the ones to put their money where their, their mouth was, so to speak. And then in Deuteronomy 19, verse 18, we see that if they gave false testimony, they'd face the same penalty as what their lies endangered the other person with. There was nothing wrong with, with the law that God gave. But even with, with these safety measures, still human hearts let the system down. Something, something greater was needed to, to fix up human hearts. Because the reality is, human hearts are very different from God's heart. That's also what this command shows us. This, this command tells us more than just how Israel would have was to function as a healthy nation it points us to the very character of god and what it points us to is that god hates lies because he loves the truth as you look across the whole law it, it's actually not just false testimony in a legal context that god hates he hates all lies so in leviticus 19 verse 11 he says do not lie very blanket statement do not deceive one another another blanket statement with a nuance do not swear falsely by my name or in in jeremiah 9 verse 5 he laments friends deceive friend deceives friend and no one speaks the truth they've taught their tongues to lie they weary themselves with sinning god hates lies because he loves the truth do you know what sin is in the Bible? Sin is 
believing the lie that I can determine truth for myself. I can choose for myself what's what's true and what's not true. I can, I can determine it for myself. I can choose for myself what right is going to be and what wrong is going to be. Sin is, is taking God out of the picture and pretending that I can decide for myself what's, what's true and what's not. Now, deep down, we know that truth doesn't work that way. But we're very good at deluding ourselves. And all of us, in some way or another, we end up making the center of truth ourselves and what I want rather than something outside of me. Sometimes it's put like this. What the heart wants, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Have you ever felt this in yourself? The heart calls the shots. We follow our hearts. And then we massage the truth with our minds. Now, God hates this lie. He hates this lie that we can decide for ourselves what's right and wrong without him. He hates this lie and he hates all the lies it gives birth to. He hates the way this lie leads us to hurt each other and to hurt his world. My mum, many years ago, was told by some pyramid scheme vitamin company that she needed their expensive antioxidants. And she was told that she didn't need chemotherapy. And for some reason, she believed them. She believed their lies, and, and I guess she, she lied to herself as well. And she died at 46. Now, how do you reckon I feel about that lie? How do you, how do you reckon I feel about that company? Do I have the right to be upset? Well, how do you think God feels about the lies that we tell ourselves and tell each other? How do you think he feels about the lies that walk us ever further away from him? That cut us off and cut others off from the source of life, from purpose and meaning and hope and joy. Don't you reckon God has got the right to be upset? God hates lies because he loves the truth. And he hates lies because lies trash people's lives. And this brings us to our last point. Jesus wants us to be a people who also hate lies and love the truth. The the problem with the law is, is not the law we've seen. It's us. The problem is people. And while ever the, the law rested on human hearts, God's people were always going to fall short. Something greater was needed to fix up human hearts and and god's plan was always for something greater god's plan was always to come in jesus and to perfectly keep the law on behalf of his people to perfectly take the punishment for our failure to keep the law from his people and to perfectly bring the intention of the law to its goal In his people, the requirements of the law, the punishment of the law, and the goal of the law, they're all met for us in Jesus. When we join Jesus, we get all this, the requirements of the law, the punishment of the law taken away, and the goal of the law brought to us. Rebecca McLaughlin explains in her book that we were talking about the other week, you know, is Easter unbelievable? 
She explains this a little bit. She, she says when she got married, what she brought to the table, financially at least, was her student debts. And her husband, right, who had been working since he was 16 or something as a, as a landscape designer, what he brought to the table was his life savings. And so her debt is just overwhelmed and she ends up in credit. And it's kind of like that with us. Not only is our debt just erased when it comes to the law, we end up in credit, Jesus' credit. That's what happens when we, we join to him. That's the kind of joining to Jesus that we have. The law now has no claim on us negatively or positively. We're not under the law anymore. Instead, when we join Jesus, we, we join him in living out the goal of the law. And the goal of the law was always that God's people would, would reflect his character in his world. This is what we, we see in Ephesians, a, a little bit after that bit that was read for us just before in, in Ephesians 5.1. Paul, Paul goes on to say, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our hearts have, have been won by Jesus. And having been won by Jesus, they, they start to be changed by his spirit. So that our, our wills start to freely choose what he wants. And as we follow Jesus like this, we actually fulfill the very goal of the law. And one of the goals of, of the law is fulfilled like this. Jesus wants us to be a people who hate lies and love truth. We, um, we heard this read a little bit earlier in Ephesians in 4.25. Paul writes, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We are all members of one body. So how do, we, how do we be a people like this? How do we be a people who put off falsehood? How do we be a, a people who hate lies and instead love and speak the truth? Now, there's heaps and heaps of things that we could say, of course. But today, I, I just want to dwell on, on three things that can help us love the truth and hate lies. And the first thing is to realize that loving the truth doesn't always mean liking the truth. I think this helps us, realizing that loving the truth doesn't always mean liking the truth. Sometimes if you're struggling to love someone, it, it can be helpful to make the distinction in your mind between showing love and liking someone. You know, we're, we're always called to show love, whether we like the person or not. Uh, and it can be a bit like this with the truth. In fact, it helps a lot to expect it to be like this. If I really love the truth, then I'll, I'll love the truth even when I don't like the truth. If I love the truth, maybe it means I have to accept that my marriage is not in a good way. And I'm a big part of the reason why. I've been selfish or lazy or proud or negligent or unwilling to seek help. I'm not going to like that truth. Of course I'm not going to like that truth. But loving the truth doesn't really have much to do with liking the truth. Or maybe it might mean to, I have to accept that my relationship with alcohol is not healthy. 
Maybe it means I need to accept that I tend to be a judgmental person or an irritable person or passive aggressive or overly familiar with people or inappropriate or overly sensitive and needy or greedy and showy or insecure and self-centered or lazy and unreliable. No one likes seeing these truths about themselves, of course not. But if we accept that part of loving the truth is disliking the truth at times, but seeing it anyway, then we're far more likely to actually really love the truth. This is, this is true for all sorts of things, isn't it? Is it true that Christians in the past have mistreated Aboriginals? Is it true that we've been a part of the way our country was so unjust towards them? I can dislike that truth and yet be willing to admit it if I love the truth. Have Christians been homophobic at times? Have we been arrogant and and entitled in our culture at times? Have we been far too much like our culture around us and not enough like Jesus at times? I can dislike the truth. And yet, if I'm to love the truth, I can own these kind of things without being defensive. Was my response to COVID God-honoring? Not by my standards, but by his standards. Is the way I'm I'm talking about the voice to parliament with people God-honoring? Is the way I I treat people who think differently to me God-honoring? If I'm always comfortable with my answer to these kind of questions, if I'm always happy with my attitudes and actions, then chances are I'm probably not embracing the truth. Because loving truth means loving it even when I don't like the truth. The second thing that can help us hate lies and love truth is to work on hating lies and loving truth at all times. I remember someone telling me that they used to be uh, late home from work quite often because they were very social and they they just loved chatting to people. But this irritated um, his wife. And this guy, he was a bit of a people pleaser, really. He didn't like people thinking, anyone thinking badly of him. It's probably why he got stuck chatting at the office. And so he'd lie to his wife. He'd say, the train was late, or my boss needed me to stay back. But he came to realize that what seemed like harmless little fibs actually had unintended consequences. Like he realized his white lies eroded trust. His wife sensed a lack of truthfulness about the unreliability of the rail network and then sensing that it eroded trust and that that lack of trust started to touch other elements of their relationship where she wondered if she could even really trust him when he said i love you the reality is if if we don't love truth in small ways why do we think we're going to love truth in big ways The character of our God is to always love the truth, always love the truth. And if we're going to reflect his character, then we need to work on doing the same. I don't know if you've you've noticed, but often you see parents will lie to their children as if it doesn't matter as much. Maybe because the kids are little, so little lies. I don't know what's going on in in their heads. But they'll say things like, we've got to go now because the shops are closing. And you're like, what? No, they're not. You know, we need to turn away from that kind of thing. It, It doesn't. It's not for us because it doesn't reflect the character of God. 
We need to turn away from lying to our boss about why we're late to work or why our work is late. We need to turn away from lying about tax deductions. If we're going to reflect the character of God, we even need to turn away from lying to each other by saying things like, that was great when we thought it really sucked. You know, we shouldn't be lying on on Gumtree and, and Marketplace. We shouldn't be saying, yeah, yeah, I'll be there when we know we may well not be. We shouldn't be lying that work is ours if it's actually some AI's work. We shouldn't be plagiarizing. None of these things, and and a million more, none of these things reflect the character of God. And so none of them are who we are now. And so we should work on hating lies and loving the truth, even in what we might sometimes think of as small ways at all times. The last thing that can help us live this out that I'm going to talk about is, I think it can be helpful to ask yourself, why am I wanting to lie? You know, often we, we lie to, to protect something or, or to try to gain something. And that's, that's what causes us to do it. So it's helpful to try and figure that out in yourself. Is it because I'm a bit of a people pleaser? And I, I want people's approval. Or is it because I want to be respected? I want people to respect me. Is it because I don't want things to cut into my time and, and my comfort and I want to protect that? No lie for that. Is it because I don't want to lose money or an opportunity? And that's what's driving me. Is it because I'm afraid of the consequences? Is it because I'm a conflict avoider? Why are you tempted to lie? What are your reasons? What moves your heart to lies? Knowing why we're drawn to lie can actually help us to figure out how to handle those situations where we we really feel the pressure to lie. And remembering who we are in Jesus at those times, remembering that he loved us and gave himself up for us so that right now we are forgiven by God completely. God is our Father. Remembering that nothing else, no one else, their opinion, nothing can compare to what we already have in Jesus because of Jesus. Remembering these things is is what's going to lead us to choose not to lie and instead to speak the truth in those times, even when it costs us. Because we'll know that's our calling. And because we know that hating lies and loving the truth are ways that we really can reflect the character of God our Father. Let's pray. Father, um, you see our hearts, even when we choose not to. You see the way we deceive ourselves and justify our thinking, our actions, our feeling. Lord, we thank you that you love us despite the way we don't love truth like you. But we also thank you that you've given us Jesus and that because of his death in our place, not only have you fulfilled the requirements of the law and taken the punishment of the law away from us, You have called us to the very goal of the law, to be a people who truly reflect your character in this lost, deceived world. But Lord, help us not just to be happy to kind of partly do that. Help us to see what an amazing, noble, and yet challenging calling it is to be a light on a hill, a city on a hill.
to be people who love truth to the same kind of depth that you love it. Lord, help us to turn away from lies, to really love the truth, even when we don't like the truth in ourselves or in our community or in our world. Lord, for our love for you and for Jesus, help us to walk in his footsteps, we pray in his name. Amen.